The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Hey, good evening, everybody. This is the crew from At Notebook Wagering. We uh, just wrapped up a big weekend here, a little Easter weekend, got rid of the Masters in the, the uh, background, and now we're going to jump ahead a little bit. We're going to cover a little bit of some NFL draft, do a little bit of mocking this week, possibly next week. So we got a special guest coming on tonight, and uh, after we get our little roundtable here, we'll introduce him and Carry on with our NFL draft stuff. Uh, Jay Cam, what's going on, man? Um, not much. Taking in some USFL football this weekend, trying to see if there's any way to bet this. Uh, at this early conclusion, there's a no. Uh, <laughs> uh, interesting football, pretty short rosters. Does, I think the XFL is a little bit better product at this point, but uh, also suffering through a Pittsburgh Maulers team that might be the worst of the group so far. Um, RBC didn't really pan out for me. I, I took Corey Connors and Cam Young. After day one, uh, Cam Young was kind of sniffing at the, the front door there. Didn't get there, but uh, pretty good weekend overall. Easter, found a lot of Easter eggs, ate a lot of chocolate, good stuff. Smitty, what's cracking, buddy? The jelly beans were flowing, fellas, and I love every second of it. RBC was okay. Gave out another best bet two straight weekends in a row. Matt Kuchar, top 10 winner. Patrick Cantley, though, I had him the win. That was tough. Lot Playoff, learned a lesson. If you take a guy to win, maybe do the top five, too. But exciting. We might have time to dive into that in a little bit. But, no, watching a little USFL tonight, uh, the Pirates. Got a lot going on. I'm excited. Love this gas, man. This guy knows a lot of football, so let's dive into it. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little NFL. We know that is the straw that stirs the drink. And we have a local Pittsburgh guy coming on here. His name is uh, Shane P. Hallam on Twitter. He's a managing partner at the Draft Countdown. He's an NFL draft analyst. And he also co-hosts at Debbie Marketplace podcast. Shane, live from Pittsburgh. What's going on, my man? Not much. I appreciate you having me back. It's always fun to uh, chop it up with you guys and talk draft. And it's it's that time of year. It's come around again. So, Well, we love it. We know most of our guests actually love the NFL as well. So we won't beat around the bush too much. We're going to pick your brain here. We know you crank out a uh, podcast on your t- or a uh, mock draft on your Twitter all the time and you update it. Brand new one today, everybody. So I'm going to let these guys fire away first. We'll start with J-Cam. I know we have a bunch of questions. We'll try to squeeze them all in here in about 30 minutes. So go ahead, J-Cam, start us off. So I'm actually going to start off with the quarterbacks because last year was a huge quarterback class in the draft. This year, you know, it's kind of been mixed reviews on the guys, but it seems like they're kind of floating up the draft board. I noticed on your latest uh, mock, you've got Malik Willis going six to Carolina. And yet, um, so he's kind of moved up from where you had him earlier. Is that stuff that you're hearing or is that just just analysis of like what you're looking at on tape and things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more of what I'm hearing. I I don't think any of these quarterbacks are worth a top 15 pick in, in the draft. I would not do that. 
And generally, I'll kind of lean into that. Um, and maybe my final mock, I might. I wanted to kind of try to see, because Carolina has brought in all those top quarterbacks and offensive tackles. So I think there's a chance, maybe not at six, maybe they move back a little bit, take take it on the cheap and draft their top guy, who I think would be Willis, but you know, could be Kenny Pickett, um, could be someone else. Um, you know, I think that's a possibility. But like, there's a good chance I might, in my final mock, just like, not have one go until 19. I mean, not have maybe Pickett go at 19, maybe Malik Willis at 20 to the Steelers. Like, I think that's a real possibility too. So generally when we hear about these quarterbacks or any position, you know, these guys pushing up like Mac Jones last year, he's going three overall. We heard that, right? I think sometimes you got to stick to the evaluation and say, he's not worth that. The NFL, they have the same, you know, he wasn't worth that and they knew it. So I think these quarterbacks, I think Malik Willis is great, you know, super athlete, great arm. But there's so many. I mean, watch him play Louisiana Monroe, and it, it, it's an awful game. I mean, it's not a top 100 pick game. Um, so, you know, what do you do with that? I think that's the question. Is a team like Carolina or Atlanta or Seattle going to be willing to heavily reach for this quarterback because they need it? And when we hear things like, oh, Carolina or Seattle are in on Baker Mayfield, that may, that makes me think that they don't like this quarterback class. <laughs> like, they don't want to take one of the top <laughs> you know. Smitty, you're up, man. Fire away. Yeah, I, you know, I was going to piggyback off the, the quarterback there, but I think I'm going to hold off on that because I think he answered that well. I'm going to think about – I'm going to go to the wide receivers. This is a very deep class here, and just looking at your mock here, because I looked at your mock over the weekend, and you came out with a new one today, so everybody check that out. Right now, a lot of bets over five-and-a-half wide receivers, and I believe you have six, I think, going in the first round. I mean, in that whole group, who's the guy that you just maybe not who you had getting picked first, but I mean, overall, who do you think is the best wide receiver in this uh, very, I think, very deep uh, draft? I have Garrett Wilson, the receiver from Ohio State as my number one. He will be my number one at the end. I think that he's spectacular outside of the size. You know, he, I mean, he comes in under 185 pounds, which you'd like to get a guy that is at least pushing 190, 195. Um, but outside of that, I mean, watch him, the body control, the way he gets off the line. He has that deep speed. He proved that at the combine. I think that was a question he answered. I, I think he is a number one type receiver. I think he's going to be a player. You could give a hundred targets, 130 targets, and he's going to get you, you know, 80, 90 catches in a season, um, similar to Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh. I mean, he just gets off the line so cleanly that you're going to get that. So I really like him. I, I, struggle to say he'll be the first off the board because I think I think you know Drake London from Southern Cal is going to be intriguing to maybe a team like the Jets that wants that size I think Jamison Williams you know before the injury probably would have been that first receiver off the board so maybe you know a team like Minnesota pulls the trigger um, but I think Wilson will be in that mix um, but it, it, it's tough I think you can take your pick I think a lot of teams I would guess that there are six different receivers in this draft teams have at number one in their receiver board. And that's rare to have. Whereas like last year, I mean, everyone had Jamar Chase, right? Number one. Uh, I, I think teams are going to really vary on which they like based on the traits that they prefer. And I'm going to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, one of the pre-draft favorites to go number one overall was Kayvon Thibodeau. And I'm hearing a lot of rumors and I just want to know maybe you've, Heard some rumors or some insight. 
a lot of big market teams are shying away from him right now. They hear he's basically not all committed to football. And if you throw him in a big environment like New York City, they think he might go a little wayward and maybe spend a little too much time out and about. I was just wondering because I we're going to do our own mock draft. I have him slipping down the board. I think you have him at four on your latest one. Have you heard anything or potentially – is he one of the guys you might have falling down potentially? I, I had him falling down before because I was hearing that same thing. And I think there are teams like Jacksonville, like Detroit, who are, are not going to take Kayvon Thibodeau because of that. Um, and, and, you know, when you say it, it sounds bad, but I, honestly, I think it's ridiculous. Um, you know, the, a lot of the talk of, well, you know, he's interested in other things. It's not like bad things. It's not like it's gang stuff or drugs, right? It's like, he, he, he wants to be a writer, you know, you know, it, it's stuff like that. Like he has other interests outside of football and, you know, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, we've seen this in the past when you've had an outspoken player who has views and opinions, NFL teams don't want that. Uh, the PR questions, there's questions of, uh, can they get them to follow a coach who's not very good, right? You have that sometimes. So I think there are some teams, like I said, like Jacksonville, like Detroit, that might be worried about that and pass on him for better edge rushers. I think from what I'm hearing, he's kind of risen back up a little bit, um, not to that number one overall caliber, but, you know, he's going to be well within the top seven picks of this draft and that uh, the, the New York teams uh, are t- t- two teams that like him a lot. And so I think we could see him go off. Maybe it's four, maybe it's five or seven to the Giants, but uh, I think worst case, I mean, 10 to the Jets seems like the kind of bottom for him because uh, I think even Seattle and Atlanta would be interested I think he's still going to go really high. He's my number one overall player in this draft, and he will uh, be that at the end. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, so you mentioned he's your number one player, but it seems like the number one player that's going to be picked is Hutchinson, at least in most of the mocks that you see. Is that, is that just like the safe place? Is that just the placeholder guy right now? Will we see something different when the draft actually happens? I mean, is Hutchinson a good enough player to go number one overall? I mean, is there any concerns you have about him? I'd say it's probably 65% that it'll be in Hutchinson. Uh, I would say 30% that it'll be Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher from Georgia, and 5% for an offensive tackle. Um, it, Hutchinson is the safe play. Like, you know what you're getting out of him. He's a good athlete, good size. He sets the edge well. I think that's a big difference between him and Thibodeau is, you know, how he Hutchinson plays the run. And so I think a team like Jacksonville, they already have an elite pass rusher in Josh Allen. You know, you have, you want a player with a little bit different skill set on the other side. I think the only thing that kind of messes that up is Trayvon Walker, who is a one-year starter at Georgia, absolutely dominated the national championship game, was basically a couple hundredths of a second from having the greatest edge workout of all time in the NFL. You know, so there's like big upside with this player that hasn't produced before his final year do you take that chance? And I think that's what Jacksonville's weighing right now. You take the safe guy or do you go for the upside and maybe get a, you know, a generational pass rushing count, like a chase young or a Bosa. That's not what Hutchinson is. He's not going to be on that level, but you know, he's probably going to be a pro bowl type edge player. Jane. So, you know, you kind of said Hutchinson there, but could Jacksonville, let's just, you play GM here a little bit here some of these teams kind of get crazy for these quarterbacks. And you kind of said you, you think these quarterbacks could go back a little bit, but is there a team, you know, again, some people look at like the lions, the Texans, the Panthers, 
uh, the Denver Broncos. Could there be a team that gets a little crazy and jumps way up and tries to draft one of these guys? Number one, do you think that could happen? And if so, what team might, in your opinion, do that? I will never say never in the NFL draft, but I think that the odds are so slim that any, you know, I'm sure Jacksonville would love a trade down. I mean, they would love to get a haul and get picks for the next two years and, you know, be set up. Um, but I, I just don't see a team that's going to be willing to do that. I, I think if there is a team that's, you know, absolutely crazy for a quarterback, uh, you know, I think it'd be the New Orleans Saints. I guess it'd probably be the one team with two picks in the first round. Can you get Jacksonville to move down to 16? Probably not. You know, that's probably too far to go. Uh, and the Saints have already traded their next pick to get this extra pick to maybe, you know. So I just think it's going to be too difficult. Um, and, you know, Seattle, Atlanta, Carolina probably don't have much reason to make that move, especially when these quarterbacks are tight together. So I, I would be floored. I'll never say it can't happen because I've seen stranger things than that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'll be really surprised. I think Jacksonville is going to be picking at one. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to pay the price to get up there. All right, Shane. I am a running back guy. I love running backs in fantasy football. I'm always a fan of running the ball. The bar's already set pretty low in the recent years for running backs being drafted round one. We had two last year. And questionably, Elijah Mitchell in round six could have been the best one drafted. Are we going to see an all-time low this year and have no running backs drafted in round one? And if there is one, who is it? I think there's a chance. Um, I would say it's a little bit doubtful just because I think the other positions, there, there is some better talent on the board that you're not going to get in the next round to draft a running back. But we, we saw last year two running backs go. Um, Brees Hall from Iowa State is the one running back that could go in the first round. I'd be pretty surprised if there is another running back. I mean, six foot two seventeen has that kind of four four flat speed, and that that you know that was a big surprise. I think he was so good at the combine when you watch him. It's very similar to former teammate David Montgomery. Uh, really good vision, really you know plotter through the hole. But I mean, he can he can get to the line really fast. I mean, he's going to pick you up yardage. Um, I think Brees Hall is going to be a good starting running back. But, you know, who's going to take him? A team like Buffalo, I think maybe a 25. They've looked at the running backs. I think Tampa Bay, 27. They did re-sign Leonard Fournette. Um, but I don't think anyone's going to pop up, you know, someone like Arizona uh, who brought back James Conner. Like, I don't think they'll quite invest in that. So um, I, I can have Brees Hall landing early in that second round, going to Houston at 37, who brought him in for a visit. They have – they don't have a running. I mean, Rex Burkhead, I think, is the best running back on their roster right now. So um, I, I think that's it'd be a great situation for Brees Hall to step in three down running back. He's going to get, you know, a, a ton of touches this year. So seeing that there are so many teams with duplicate picks this year, is this going to be a really quiet Thursday night where you probably won't see much trading back and forth because all the trades have been made? Like, There's not a lot of draft capital that can kind of go back and forth at this time because everyone's kind of locked in. I, I, I kind of fall that way. I know people are expecting a lot, but I think when you combine what you said, where a lot of teams, you know, Philly and New Orleans have made their trade. Uh, Philly's probably not going anywhere. You know, maybe New Orleans can move up, but it seems, you know, doubtful. Um, I, don't, I don't, I think we'll see a couple of trades. We always do. But I think the other thing is we talked about the quarterbacks, just there's, there's no, who, who are you moving up for? Are you moving up for an edge rusher? Are you moving up for a tackle? 
that doesn't happen quite as much. So I think we'll see a couple. Um, but, you know, my prediction is I don't think we'll see one in the top 10. I think it'll be more that top half, you know, uh, the bottom half of the first round, the kind of 10 through 15, that first half. I think that's where you can start to see someone move ahead of the Ravens for a tackle or, um, you know, want to move ahead in New Orleans for Kenny Pickett or something like that. I think that's where you can start to have that movement happen. So, Shane, I'm going to go back to the wide receivers for a second. So two names I kind of want to ask you about. Pickens out of Georgia. I really liked, had some injuries there. I saw you had him in your first round. I just like to get a quick thought on him. And then the one that's I've been hearing about that I didn't know a lot about. So I'm just, I'd love to get your opinion on is uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota state. Can you give me some info and where do you, I, I know you can tell our listeners where you have Pickens in your mock draft, but how about this Watson kid? So Pickens is tough. He's, he's a tough evaluation for me. And I have him in the first because I think the Packers really like him. And if they want him, they're probably going to have to take him in that first round. So he has the athletic profile they like. They like the guys that come out early, kind of checks all the boxes for them. Will he be there in my final mock draft? I don't know. Um, You know, but uh, I think Pickens is going to go in the top 50 picks. I think he has the profile to be kind of an alpha number one Devontae Adams kind of receiver. You get that type of ability. The problem is he only played a handful of games this year because of the ACL injury. When he did, he had one or two catches a game, not much. And then you go back to the year before, great athlete, great high-pointing the football, contested catcher. He has the athleticism. But there are just plays where he gives no effort. And it, it just, it's just so weird. And, you know, I think those are things that teams that I'm not going to know, our team's going to talk to George Pickens and be like, oh, no, I'm staying away from this guy. And there was one play, the play that gets me against Cincinnati – in uh, I think it was in the bowl game that um, they they basically had a scripted play to him. He was the only receiver in in the red zone going for a fade in the and he just didn't he just stood there. He just didn't go off the line. There was no receivers. The, the quarterback just you know threw it up to nobody. I was like, what, what are you doing? You know. So I, I think he goes in the top fifty uh, for sure. Now Christian Watson, I love a lot. Um, He's my number six receiver in this class, uh, below top five. He basically checks everything. He has the size, 6'4", 208. He has the speed. He's legit 4'3 speed. And, you know, and you watch the Senior Bowl film, he was open on every single rep. I mean, I I didn't think he was a great runner. I thought that was kind of a negative. And then he goes to this and plays against the best corners in this draft and is always open and just great footwork. So, there's a lot to like the, the downside of Christian Watson is he didn't have much production. He never had a thousand yard season. Uh, and I know North Dakota state is a big run the ball. Uh, he, he, he has some reverses where he ran for a touchdown. Christian Watson's running for touchdowns, you know, down the field. Um, so you kind of question that a little bit, but I think he'll go in the top 50. I think he has a first round shot. I have an article on draft countdown from early January where I talk about how I think Christian Watson's career is going to mirror Cooper cup. I think he's going to be that player in two, three years. Uh, small school, you know, older guy, late bloomer, and he's just going to take off in the NFL. So I'm a big Christian Watson fan myself. So I had three under the radar players that people, average Joes, just don't know that much about. One of them was Christian Watson, so I can scratch him off this conversation now. Two other ones that I really like a lot more than other are Trevor Penning, the offensive lineman from Northern Iowa, and I really like Tyler Limbaum, another offensive lineman from Iowa. 
Give us a little dirt on these two guys. Trevor Penning, man, I mean, he looks like the prototypical offensive tackle in the NFL. You watch him at Northern Iowa, and he he just drills guys into the ground. I mean, he is nasty. He has a mean streak. Um, Players playing against him hate him because he will put you in the ground and he'll, he'll keep going. You know, he doesn't stop, which, which I think the NFL is going to like that aggressiveness. Uh, it was interesting at the senior bowl watching him because he did that same thing. And now these are guys on your team, you know? Uh, so it, it, it was, it was interesting to see. I think he has some technique flaws, you know, the footwork, the hand placement, he didn't need to really do that to be dominant. Um, so I think that's the thing. I think he's going to go in the top 20, um, I think Baltimore 14, if he's there, I have, that's where I have him going to my mock. I think probably going to have him going there in my final mock draft. Um, I think he fits that team very well. Tyler Linderbaum is uh, tough. You know, he's um, someone who had an excellent tape. I mean, you watch him, he's fun to watch, which for an offensive lineman isn't always the case. He just, he, he can create gaps out of nowhere. I mean, he just, you know, creates holes for running backs and that's really how they had a lot of success there. Um, you know, he's, he's six, two, he came in at his pro day over 300 pounds. That was a question, really good athlete, um, showed that that really the big question with him is his arms are short. And so what that means is if you're, if you're running a power gap scheme, you kind of need a guy with long arms to be able to get off the line and move. And so he has got to be a little bit limited into a zone blocking scheme, can play guard, can play center. I think he's going to end up being a steal. Like, I don't see how Tyler Linderbaum, unless he, there's injuries involved, isn't a 10-year starter in the NFL. That happens for a lot of these interior linemen. They go late in the first, and you're like, why'd you pass on that guy? But teams just seem to do it. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I agree. He, um, he on my list is basically last year's Creed Humphrey, who to me was an absolute steal. So. so. So my question is, as a mock drafter, a guy who spends a lot of time developing and trying to nail it, um, how happy are you that the Raiders don't have a first-round pick this year? <laughs> I, I'm happy, but I can't just give the fastest guy to someone and be done with it, you know? That, that's always <laughs> that's always nice. Yeah, I, you know, but the problem is Seattle has a first-round pick, and they're another team uh, that has to just go off the board and take, you know, some third-round edge rusher uh, when they took O.J. Collier a couple years ago who's terrible. And, you know, it's like, just stop. Uh, I've never – I, man, I've done this for a while, but I can't remember this regime having a top-ten pick. So, um, that's that, that's going to be the interesting one. But uh, I, I am happy the Raiders trade for Devontae Adams. I'd much rather mock for the Packers of 22 that have a type. So, I'll take it. Shane, who's your guy that – we always have every, every year, there's a guy in the first round that just drops and everybody kind of, you know, you look at all these mocks and they have them up high and then it just, something goes wrong the last couple of days or just who could be that guy that can just kind of be sitting in the green room or just, you know, who's the guy that's going to drop a lot in this year's draft, do you think? I have a couple. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, the defensive lineman from Georgia, has gotten a ton of visits. I think he's pretty squarely in most people's first round to what I've seen. Um, but there, there's been some talk of slight character concerns. Um, he was arrested a couple years ago. That was dismissed. Um, so, I, you know, the character stuff is always something that I'm like, eh, you know, you don't know. Uh, so that's always usually if there's a drop, that's one of the things. The other is injuries. So Andrew Booth, the corner out of Clemson, getting a lot of publicity, getting a lot of push, 
lot of teams bring him in. He had a, a double sports hernia surgery. So th- there's a big injury concern that happened recently that could, you know, could, could move him down the board. I think it's those two, because those are usually the two problems that we see. Um, yeah, that, that, those are probably my two biggest, maybe George Karloftis from Purdue is someone that a lot of people, I, I like him a ton. Like, I think he should be a top 10 pick, maybe, you know, 10 to 10 to 15 would be great. Um, but for some reason, the NFL is not as high on him as I think the draft community is. So I think he's a guy that maybe he's sitting there at 29, 30, 31. And you're like, uh, you know, we didn't expect that, but, uh, yeah, th- those are probably my three. All right, this will be my last question. So basically picking the draft is harder than picking the NCAA tournament because there's so many things that could happen with trades and whatnot. And one of the big rumors that I'm starting to hear is with the likes of A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and McLaurin potentially holding out now for new contracts, do you think some of these teams that aren't wide receiver needy are going to throw some wrenches into some draft boards here and they might sneak a wide receiver into there? I think it could happen. I definitely think that, you know, you're going to see almost all those teams, uh, maybe not Seattle, but I think Washington, absolutely receivers a target. I think Tennessee receivers a target. And and that way you're adding pieces if you need to, but at the same time, if things don't work out, then you can do that. And and we can see one of those players moved. It wouldn't surprise me if AJ Brown or DK Metcalf is moved on draft day. If that's kind of the first big trade, um, we know the Jets have been in on every single receiver, so people were trying to connect those dots. But I think there are a lot. I think a team like Minnesota is a kind of an unexpected team, right? Adam, Adam Thielen's how old? He's probably this is probably his last year. Um, is KJ Osborne with with you know Kevin O'Connell's come from the Rams, where they just kept adding receivers, drafted one in the second round last year, didn't play. You know, um, maybe they could be a team. So I think we could maybe see a surprise team take receiver, trade for receiver. And um, draft board's going to get messed up. Like, I will give, uh, to your point, I, I would give every anyone, I'll give you a million shots at the NCAA tournament, right? You could get it right. You get every single one right. Uh, I'll give you a million shots the first round of the NFL draft, and you won't. Like, you know, right? Some player's going to go that you had no idea was even possible. Someone trades in, you're not going to get that, you know, the, 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 the type of picks, like, it's infinite, infantile possibilities that, don't exist in the tournament bracket setting. Yeah, I mean, not everybody can be the Steelers and just tell everybody who they're going to take in the first round and just do it anyway. And then um, get them. And then somehow they fall. TJ Rogers <laughs> falls them anyway. Like, what are you doing? They might, actually, they might be the team that could do it because they seem to do the draft board better than anyone. Uh, I mean, is, is that going to be the case this year too? Obviously, there's a little bit of confusion around who they're going to take because, but everybody seems to think it might be a quarterback if there's one there. But it doesn't seem like they're actually going to shed any capital to actually move up or down. They're just kind of going to wait to see who's around at 20. I, I That's what I think. I don't think they're going to move up. Um, I know kind of the general public thinks that, and they have, they, they moved up when they've wanted a player in Devin Bush or Troy Palomalu. But I think it's the case where they like Malik Willis. They like Kenny Pickett. They like Desmond Ritter. Like they probably like Matt Corral. You know, they like all these guys fine and they're equal enough on their board that it's not worth giving up more in a draft where they're already lacking for some capital, um, I think they'll sit at 20. And, you know, knowing the Steelers, whatever, if they want Malik Willis, he's going to be there. Like, it, you know, that's just what happens <laughs> is whoever they want is just sitting there. And so we're all going to be like, oh, Malik Willis could go two to the Lions. And then, you know, the Saints take Pickett 
and we're sitting at 20 and up oh, that the, yeah the Steelers are taking Malik Willis and they do and that's exactly who they wanted since January and that's you know I might just I might put him there in my mock because I, somehow I believe that he'll just end up falling there and that's what will happen all right I don't want a quarterback and I didn't want a running back last year but I like Harris I'm glad we have him good player good guy I'm going to keep my mouth shut about him, but I don't want a quarterback. So I got to ask you here, since I'm a diehard Steeler fan, if it's not a quarterback, who do you think they grab? So if it's not a quarterback, I think, I think it depends who's available. Um, I think with the investment at the interior of the offensive line, that's out though. I think a lot of those players would fit. I think if Trevor Penning was sitting there, I think they would pull the trigger for, for a left tackle. Um, I think Devontae Wyatt, who I mentioned before, possibly falling, you know, if those character concerns aren't there, you know, who knows what's happening with Stephon Tuitt. I think he's a real possibility. Um, and then, you know, then I think corner, I think Kyrie Elam out of Florida is a really, really good fit. I think they'll like what he brings to the table. Is he worth a pick at 20? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think he's going to be on their board too. So ultimately, I think those are kind of the three that uh, they'd be looking at. You know, and I think if someone else fell, if a Jordan Davis fell or Kyle Hamilton fell, you know, someone like that, I think obviously they would uh, they would take those players. But that, that would be my guess. Awesome. Great stuff, Shane. Uh, we'll probably wrap it up there with you. We appreciate your time. Everybody check him out. Uh, his Twitter handle is Shane, capital P, capital H-A-L-L-A-M. And uh, why don't you give us a little shout out and anything you want to plug, go right ahead. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. You can check out draftcountdown.com, see my seven-round mock. I'll have one next week. I'll have my final rankings and um, top 400 players in the draft, big board. And then uh, check out my podcast, The Draft Countdown. If you're into the NFL draft, that's uh, where to get it. If you're in uh, fantasy, then Debbie Marketplace. So thanks, guys. Great. great stuff. Thanks a lot, Shane. Have a great night, my man. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate the time. Whew, man, I, I, the draft is something I could talk about forever and ever and ever. I, literally on those wide receivers alone, I could have just kept going. I'm so intrigued by those this year. It's such an interesting draft because it seems like there's depth almost at every position where, you know, there's some years where there's no tackles, right? And there's some years where the wide receivers aren't really good enough to take to the second round. But it seems like there's first-round talent. I mean, off-the-ball linebackers, edge linebackers, like everything. Quarterback seems to be the only position where it's kind of questionable. And just the way the game's going, it's kind of dragging these guys up the draft board a little bit. But, I mean, if you have a need, it seems like you can find a way to fix it with this first round this year. And I think we could have got into, like, the secondary guys with the kid out of Cincinnati, uh, Singley Jr. out of LSU. Um, I'm missing uh, Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, I think is just uh, just a talent. I think I – th I know the, the commanders just had him in uh, just recently – you know, they talked about down here in uh, local radio about maybe trying to draft him. They need some help in that position. I think those guys, all three of those guys are really good um, players. And we didn't even really dive into them. So I agree with you guys. I mean, the wide receivers are great. A lot of people are over that um, five and a half bet, uh, over five and a half. I know Tim Murray has talked about that one. So uh, and again, this that Christian Watson, I got to look into a little bit more. I've really heard the last couple of days about him. So wrote that down in the notebook, made sure Shane gave us an info on him. I was hoping you guys were dragging your feet for our little contest and didn't hear of a guy like Christian Watson. <laughs> I had already in mind. I know you told me I'm ahead of the game here, Smitty, but 
So I may be adult for saying this though. I'm actually really excited about the running backs because I love Brees Hall. And I think Kenneth Walker is going to be a surprise in the NFL as well. I mean, they both have great numbers, both prototypical body types. I think they're going to do really well. I'm with you though, Smitty. A guy that I really want to keep an eye on is that Kyle Hamilton because I am a Washington fan. I somehow hope he is there when they pick at uh, 11. I'm not sure if he's going to be there. I'm going to lean no. And even if he is, I think my foolish squad is going to pass and still take a wide receiver. But I'm not going to be shocked if Terry McLaurin isn't moved here in the next week or so or even uh, early draft night and see what happens. Yeah, it's really interesting to see what's happening to wide receivers now. Um, you know, no one seems to want to give them a second contract. I don't know if the stats are there or not to show that it just doesn't work out. But uh, clearly there's some analytics that's driving this because nobody wants to give these guys big money at this point. So it's really interesting. You have teams that need skill positions, but no one wants to draft a running back in the first round. And no one wants to give a wide receiver a second contract. It's like they're just going to be constantly churning. Like we're going to get to a point where the first and second round is just all running backs, wide receivers. It's basically going to be a fantasy draft. <laughs> yeah, you heard that today with uh, Deontay Johnson for the Steelers. You know, he wants he wants a new deal and a lot of money. And would you pay him? I don't know. I mean, he had no. some drops two years ago. I, and, you know, what's one thing that the Steelers do really well? They find a wide receiver. And they usually draft him and he plays well for him. The only one that I, you know, I could be wrong on this was Lima Swede. If you go back on the Lima Swede. <laughs> And Lima Sweet, and I'll tell you, when they drafted him, I'm going to say this, because I'm no Mel Kuyper, I'm no Shane. I mean, I have my opinions on people, but I thought Lima Sweet was going to be a really good talent for him, and then just couldn't catch the ball. Just yeah. couldn't do it. So, I mean, that happens too. But the Steelers, what they, I mean, one thing they do well, is they always draft a wide receiver and it plays out and then they let him go and they bring a new guy in and it continues. So that's like you said, I mean, the wide receiver here with Washington to a lot of guys, you hear a lot of talk on some of these guys. You know, I think another big name is, you know, the quarterback situation with Arizona with my good buddy, uh, Murray, um, what's going to happen there? Because uh, he's saying he's not coming if there's not a contract. Could something go down? You know, you got Baker Mayfield that night. You know, I think it was Jason that said, is it going to be a boring no trade? I don't know. Could be some action. Could be some action. I think, sorry, Jake, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think it's actually going to be more action-packed. There is a uh, beat writer, sports guru, draft guy in Philly who insists they are going to trade up to get a quarterback and i i don't know what they're looking at or where he's hearing this but i mean they just made a great move in my opinion to pick up extra draft capital for the next couple of years hertz has improved he's gotten to the playoffs i think you have to let him go one more year at least and maybe look at a better quarterback quarterback draft class next year i think that would be foolish but i actually think we're going to see a lot of trades and they're going to see some because some teams don't have first rounders and I think we might see some players trade, which might actually add to this to, on uh, draft night. You know, I think that might be the change, like you're mentioning. It, it, we'll see players move as opposed to just picks swapping back and forth. Um, yeah, no, I think the situation with Arizona, Kyler Murray could usually end up somewhere. I mean, no one wants Baker Mayfield, right? So he's going to end up being the last one like to get anywhere. He's going to be the guy you take just to fill the spot until next year. So, I mean, Murray to the Panthers, do you think that would be something that would work? I mean, 
you look at the teams that are out there, so many quarterbacks. I can't see him going to Seattle um, within the division like that. It's just it's, it, you look at the places where teams actually need quarterbacks or haven't invested in quarterback. And, you know, I don't see him as a stealer. I just, there's no way that would happen. Um, so, like, you know, where is he going to end up at? What about Miami as a wild card? It would make sense. I mean, they were already all in on Watson, supposedly, right? You can trade Tua back as a stopgap until whatever, and he's on a rookie deal, so it's not going to cost you a ton of money. I mean, that would make sense. Um, I don't know, you know, the situation. I could say, well, you got McDaniel there. I could see him being open-minded. He's seen Murray on tape a ton, right, playing in the, in the division. So that would make a lot of sense if he likes him. If he doesn't like him, I mean, that's probably a pretty good read on how they feel about him. You know, one thing, do you guys think that some of these teams, it's just, this is a league now that you really have to win and you have to win quick. Because like Carolina, they brought Arnold in from the Jets and they gave up a bunch of draft picks. And now it's like, okay, Baker Mayfield. Like what happened to, is it, am I just, and again, I like winning. You know, I, I like to win too. You know, I'll use the Steelers again. So they bring in Trubisky. They give him two years. And I'm not saying, I, I have no clue. Trubisky had a pretty good rookie year. He did have a great head coach. Did have a great head coach. Play calling wasn't great. And now you give him two years. And we're going to now go on Willis. And if you break down, listen to the show last week, the two games that Willis played against pretty good competition, he did nothing. Yeah. Pickett, again, listen, Pickett had a great year. I'm not saying, but another, I think it was on VEASAN, they said, and I thought this was an interesting comment. They said, Jimmy G and Carr got drafted in the second round. They said, you're telling me that these guys have a better grade or going to be a better talent? or had a better career than those guys in college? I don't know. I mean, to me, taking Willis or Pickett, I think I think you're rushing on some things here. I, and, and, you know, and that's why, is there going to be a team that gets crazy here and that gets panicked and trade way up? And that was my question to Shane. Could that happen? I think that's a possibility. I think we're going to get the typical five quarterbacks in round one somehow i think we're going to get willis i think we're going to get Pickett. i think we're going to get matt coral i think we're going to get desmond ritter and it, call me a, a buffoon i i still hear the sam howell rumblings because i i don't know where he, how he's going to get go in there but now with these giant contracts this is where the rumblings are coming from that are going to quarterbacks these teams who are qb needy want that fifth year and are seem to be willing to burn it and then take a look at the Rams blueprint of, Hey, we can just trade away first round picks and build a team that way. Well, yeah, just looking at the draft board, I would think between either the lions or the chiefs, one of those last picks is going to be traded for someone to drop the quarterback. I don't know if it'll be those two teams, obviously it won't be the chiefs, but it just seems like a natural spot for someone to trade out, get more draft capital for a later year and um, let somebody else go in and take one of those quarterbacks like you said, but, I don't know. I just, you know, the one thing though, when you take a quarterback, you're, you're committing to that guy, even if he's not playing right away, you know, he's always there. And if, if you have him sitting on the bench, you don't get the benefit of having the rookie contract starter. Right. So you're not, you're not getting the extra cap space out of it. 
And eventually you have to make a decision. Like he has to play. So that's the risk when you sit a guy, like, you know, if the Steelers do go this route, you know, if you're going to sit a guy for two years, you don't know what you have at year three. And you've got like one year to make a funky decision on whether you're going to give him like 40 million a year guaranteed. Like, so it gets a little tricky. That's why I would not touch the quarterbacks. In this. I, I don't feel confident with any of them. Pickett would probably be the one who would think could be like, okay. You know what I mean? Like he gets you to playoffs, but you probably won't win a game kind of starter. Uh, all the rest of them would just have too much. I don't think that was Desmond Ritter is that good of a player. He seems like a second round level quarterback to me. Um, Corral, like, you know, you see the metrics on him too. I think he's more of a product of the system. Unfortunately, I think he's a nice player. Probably should be playing baseball. Um, and, you know, Pickett seems to be the one who's been in a bunch of systems. So he's going to adjust to that. Well, um, he throws a decent deep ball, you know, he kind of, he was a good player, even when he wasn't good, you, you saw it in the games and just kind of didn't have the talent around him, but he's just not at the same level as those guys were last year. I personally would have no problem with the Steelers in the second round. If somebody falls to take a chance on somebody, I think it's crazy that if they take a quarterback in the first round, that's my it's opinion. Really- I didn't like it last year with all the running back talk either. And again, like I said, I'm glad he's on the Steelers. I really am. I think he's a good running back. A good, seems like a great kid, good locker room guy. So I'll, I'll take, you know, I'll eat my words on that. I just think it's crazy again, if they go with a quarterback. All right. We got to bump on to another topic, but Smitty, uh, I'll wrap it up with this. I think draft night, you two being huge Steeler fans are going to start sweating when we get down close to their pick and there's quarterbacks still there. Uh, uh, It's like, are they really enamored with them? Uh, We've heard the Tomlin hype on some of these guys. I I mean, if I were you, Smitty, just like last year, pound that drum for offensive line. Uh, Do it again. Uh, I mean, what a horrible O-line again last year. Hey, hey, Matt, then we're done. I know we want to move on here. I think they've done an okay job like upgrading a little bit with some players here. I think it will be a better line, but you said two of the guys I love the kid out of Northern Iowa. I love hearing things, reading things, watching some tape. Shane said it. Well, that kid just pummels people and then keeps driving the kid out of Iowa. I love too. those are the two guys I love. I'd love to see the Steelers get one of those two guys. My only concern with the center from Iowa is he's not a scheme fit. He needs to be somewhere where they're running the Shanahan offense. Um, the Steeler offense, he just he's not he's gonna be a lot like Kendrick Green. Um, similar body size, similar everything. So some you know, similar accolades. Um, he was a little more poly, more accomplished in college, but he's just not a big big enough body to be a center in the NFL. All right, Smitty, let's bump on. Let's move on. How about uh you guys have any NBA playoff talk you want to jump into? Well, I want to toot my own horn a little. I talked a little bit about. It. I thought Memphis was a little, a little vulnerable. They shouldn't have game one. They're, they're going to make that a series. Like it might be just like you said, Matt, where it's going to draw out. But uh, it definitely, it was a situation where Memphis is the more deeper team, but obviously the better starting five is probably Minnesota, and it kind of showed that in the first game. We'll see if that holds up over the rest of the series. Yeah, I think I think they got what they needed. They got punched in the mouth. And game two, I think they'll respond. But I think you're absolutely right. This is this is going to be a series. I think it'll go to game five, all tied at 2-2, and then we'll see who comes out on top. No, that's a good um, – I lost that one, I think, in a teaser. I had um, – yeah, Minnesota came out and played well. But if you look at the stats in that, getting to the free throw line, Minnesota fouls a lot. Towns is a big-time fouler. Um, 
you know, they got to the foul line a lot. Um, Minnesota did, did too. They made a lot more. I think they shot about 80 something percent in that game, but yeah, that was, that was a good game. Celtic game. I didn't watch. I was watching the golf. I'm glad the Celtics snuck that one out. I did hit that teaser four and one right now on my last five teaser plays. I did not play a teaser tonight. Matt gave me some good info. I went the under in the Philly game, not off to the greatest start at halftime in that. That better really slow down, and they better run the week and stuff. Uh, do some backdoor cuts and run the ball out a little bit. But that happens. Four and one. We're going to look for some more teasers, but no exciting um, NBA so far. All right, let's jump over to golf. Uh, we wrapped up the RBC Heritage last week. Smitty gave out some great plays. I had Mito Pereira top 30. That was a winner. I hit a couple matchups. That was in another big stink job by my squad coming into the weekend. They just absolutely cannot close the deal. Harold Varner. My list is endless with guys that I'm starting to add to my ship list, I'm going to call it. So, Minnie, give us a little bit of the golf info coming up. Yeah, um, that was exciting. Like I said, I gave out second um, – Two weeks in a row, best bet. Matt Kuchar played really well. I really like him. Very consistent golfer. Nothing flashy. Um, you know, Jordan Spieth, good hit a birdie on 18 to go into the clubhouse at minus 13. Patrick Cantlay came and they tied. Jordan hit one in the bunker. Patrick Cantlay was playing 18. Fantastic. I couldn't believe that he had it in the bunker also was really in a worse spot. Spieth is such a good goal, you know, out of the sand. He's, he's just fantastic. So congrats to him. What can you do? I learned a lesson though. Like I said, I got some good info from our one buddy and I need to start playing those guys that I have the win, maybe in a top five too. So I learned my lesson and that's what you do. This one, this one's a little different this week, Matt. Down in New Orleans, Zurich Classic. This is a team. They're in teams Correct. for this one. Um, you know, a little bit quick intro in this last night. It's a par 72, 7,425 yards. A lot of bunkers on this. Thursday, Saturday, it is best ball between the teammates. Um Alternate shots are Friday and Sunday. So Leishman, and if I'm correct on this, Leishman and Cameron Smith were the winners last year yeah. over Uzenthusen and Schwartzel. Um, <laughs> did I mispronounce his name? Probably I did. Uzenthusen. You know, there's some good teams here, man. I, I like some of these guys. Ryan Palmer, uh, Scotty Scheffler teaming up, the Texans, Patrick Cantley again with Shoffley. This, from my one insider, it's a, it's a tough one. The bad. Yeah, I really like how they do this, though. I like that they have pair up like the same guys from the same country. So there's a familiarity. And I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to throw, I, I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time before this Nito Pereira actually gets on in the win column. And he's paired up with Joaquin Neiman, who's playing exceptionally well right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's worthy of a little flyer. Maybe they can get a little mojo going together. But seriously, are we still betting against Scotty Scheffler? He might be able to win this on his own. And now that he gets a little help by one of his friends and and Palmer. Hopefully hopefully he doesn't doubt himself and go in the fetal position. 
I think I'm I think I'm gonna put money on him just because and I'm gonna see if my jinx is real because if he doesn't win then it's all me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Mark, you? Shane Lowry, man, I'm really two weeks in a row, hit me a top five in the Masters, played extremely well again last week. Uh, I don't know if I wrote down who he's with, but I would keep an eye on him if he is a good teammate in this. Yeah, I mean, there's some good guys. I mean, Cameron Smith, I love that guy. The hair's great. And he goes for it. <laughs> uh, his salad is a mess, Smitty. He needs to shave, cut that off. That oh, mustache is a mess. He looks like he should be at a White Snake concert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try to pronounce some of these names a little better, but uh, we, we might actually might have a whole podcast. Them, might do not that. pronounce them well, but I'm bending them well, so that's all we can do. That's all I care about right now. So I don't know how much I, Matt. Seriously, I might look on a team or two and try to go with this. I'm not gonna go crazy on this one i don't know this is a tough event this is just something to put a little couple of bucks on and then you see hey it gives me a little bit of a rooted interest is all oh we need some weekend action here there's no yeah doubt. absolutely there's no doubt about that so all right let's jump over to let's let's jump into a little bit of baseball see if you guys have anything to touch on on baseball and then we can wrap up the show here the one thing I've seen about baseball is that no one is hitting the ball far right now between the weather and the ball that they've, they've talked about. The stat cast is catching it. No one's making really good hard contact. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I guess hunters have been pretty much in play. There was a six and a half under tonight. They got postponed between the Mets and the giants. Yeah. And it's like, wait, I actually literally thought they were talking about the NHL when they were talking about that total at first, because that, you know, that's, that's a high scoring game there. Um, that's the biggest thing. I, I think it's going to be interesting because um, we talked a little bit about futures and we started looking like the national league is literally two leagues this year. You have the team, like there's eight teams playing for seven playoff spots and then everybody else is kind of like playing for something else. And one of those teams is going to win all of those 50, 50 games and kind of be in the hunt. And it'll be interesting to see which one kind of shakes out so far. Um, I don't think it'll be our pirates. It could be though. But I mean, it just—it will be interesting that there are so many teams that just really aren't making a run at anything this year. One of them is going to back into it just because they play so many games against other teams that aren't trying very hard. So I'm going to touch on two things. You just covered it. Uh, the horrible hitting right now. And they actually, people think that it's a, a dead ball this year, which is going to add to it. They, nobody's came out and basically said that, but they think it might be back to the dead ball era, which everybody despises but I, we all know the pitching comes out a little stronger early on until the hitters catch up and the weather is a huge part I mean we still get we're, we're, we got snow in Pittsburgh today we're probably gonna get a little more tomorrow this is ludicrous in my opinion and then I'm gonna touch on something I tweeted out I believe last week there's a kid pitching for the Rays named Shane McClanahan mm-hmm. who was on the bump tonight. He had his over under K's again were six and a half. I bet the over. He's already th- he's already got eight K's. I'm not sure if he's still in the game. That's another easy cash ticket. Kid's a great player right now to look at on props. He uh, he's averaging 14 K's through nine innings. If he were to go the distance, it's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, if this is going to be a dead ball era, and these cool uh, 
weather early in the year. I man, look at guys like that with the, the big K rate. You might be able to catch some easy winners there. Yeah, if the four innings tonight, 57 pitches, eight Ks, that's a really high K rate. Um, that's yeah. the biggest thing with all these with these props and player props, especially with the pitchers, is that you just don't know how long they're going. Um, and you may not be getting the the same length that you usually would at a later point in the season because they're not really stretched out yet. But uh yeah, no, he's phenomenal. I mean, I think he got hurt early last year, didn't he? Because he came out of the gates well and then kind of disappeared. But the Rays just have these guys. They they just keep pulling out these guys who are just like ridiculous. And it's amazing how good their development is. Yeah, you know, the offenses are weird. I tweeted out the, you know, the hot teams in the NL AL last night, full teams. It's weird. You know, I know Maddie's a Philly team, you know, Philly fan, and I've taken them a lot. They've let me down a couple times uh, this year. Uh, team that you would think they're going to get the bats going a little bit. They've been kind of quiet in some games. It's, you know, it's tough. I mean, the Astros, I took them a little bit over the weekend. They got really drilled yesterday. I'm taking them again tonight in a little money line parlay. They were up two nothing. Now it's two, two. I, I don't think anyone's really standing out. I think I think there's some teams that are surprising a little bit, but the offenses aren't fantastic in some settings. So uh, it's, Smitty, early. it's early. Smitty, don't get off the Phillies train yet. They actually are top third in, in batting average. Just a little slow here early. Now, now three teams you might want to fade, and these are not uh, misprints or errors. The Arizona Diamondbacks as a team are hitting 152, and that team is the vote of talent right now. Cincinnati, who went fire sale in the offseason, is hitting 180 as a team. And then there is a shocker here. As a team, uh, uh, actually a team that was supposed to contend, the Minnesota Twins are hitting 182. They have injuries galore. Man, if you took an over on that team for the year, I think you're in trouble. If you took an under on that team for the year, I think you're going to look great. And then right above them, another division mate, Detroit, who was supposed to be on the upswing, hitting 201. Now, they do play in the horrible weather stadiums earlier in the year. Super cold, still in Detroit, Minnesota. I'm sure they're turning around. But if you got some tickets on their unders, God bless you. I'm jealous. Real quick, did you agree with the Dodgers, with Kershaw, pulling him – with the perfect game. I'll let Jay Kim start and then I'll jump in. You know, it's, I don't know, five years ago, I probably would have been mad, but at this point they've ruined all that stuff so much. <laughs> like, like baseball has no identity with these things. Like the whole thing of baseball is that they have this great history with all these records and guys who in 1905 had perfect games. You know, I think it's only been 23 in all of MLB history, but you know, they have no care. Like guys have no hitters in the seventh. They, they pull them out regularly now. Like, it's just they've killed all of that. So I'm not shocked by it. I don't even get upset by it anymore. I'm just baseball has turned me off so much because they just can't really seem to understand what people enjoy the game for. Like, they don't appeal to their core audience. They can't pull in any new audience. So I, I tie it all with that. So I, I don't even have an answer. It's just like I wasn't shocked. That's all I'll say. All right, Smitty. I'll go complete cop out here, and then I'll, I'll tie it into a two-parter. Yes, and no, sadly. Yes, I'm super mad because, man, that's, a, that's Kershaw's maybe his one super shining moment. Now, I know that the crazy here's, – here's why it's a no, though. Because the short spring training really killed these guys and stretching them out, getting ready for a run. 
And I know you have 162 games. And if he went to the DL after throwing 118 pitches with shoulder inflammation or something, everybody would be up in arms and then we'd completely flip our script. I get it, yet I don't get it. I want I want to be in Kaminsky's camp, let the guy go, give us that moment. Everybody can turn on the TV and cheer. And at the same time, if you're a Dodgers fan, you probably were sitting there like, man, get him out of there. We got a, a chance to, to get another World Series with this squad. And, and I mean, he's our, our one slash two starter. He's a Cy Young winner. He's a Hall of Famer. Don't ruin him for the year. And then we have to go out and trade for somebody. I get it. I'm not happy about it, but my answer is yes, no. Sorry, it's a cop-out. Two, two season bets for me. Keep winning Pirates, making me look smart again. I love it. <laughs> and the Mets, slow it down, slow it down, slow it down. Oh, they will. Yeah. Come on. You, you just, you, yeah, this is, the Mets are just torturing their fans. You know, they look like they were <laughs> terrible. Now it looks like they might have something figured out. And, you know, you give it a month. Everyone will get all excited in New York, and that's when they'll do something really bad, or everyone will get hurt on the same weekend series against the Pirates or something like that. <laughs> and and it, it'll just all be all be back to being tortured again. And you know, well, there goes our market for New York. So there you go. <laughs> no, no, come on. The Mets fans believe that more than anybody. It's like okay, they know it's good, coming. Good, good. It isn't it, until the Mets are literally in the World Series game seven with like two outs. There's that's the only time they probably start believing they're actually going to win it because they just know it's just one of those teams, right? It's just you know, the bad's coming. We talked about the Angels or the Mets or the AL, where no matter who they get, no matter how much they build up the team, it all falls apart somehow, right? I mean, every sport has those teams where it doesn't matter what they do, it just all it just never works out. And I, the Mets are that team, it's, it's just the way it is. Many. Muck the Fets. I'm gonna pull out. One of, <laughs> I'm gonna pull out. I hope we have New York listeners. And in fact, I hope we get more just from this little segment here. Maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet out some stuff. I'm gonna find one of my all-time classic t-shirts. I'm a t-shirt junkie. You know that. I have some crazy shirts. I have one that I can't wait to dig out, and it's about the Mets. I'll save it and then I'll put it on Twitter when uh, the time is just right. He got that Kurt Angle one I sold you in college. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Still got that. <laughs> All I have to say before we go here, 17 nothing still. Good job, Tampa Bay, USFL. I'm trying to get my first win tonight. Hey, Pittsburgh Maulers, keep running the ball, third and five. Keep running right up the gut. Keep going. Love you, USFL. Let's go, Maulers. I need five and a half and a, maybe a little backdoor cover. You guys got anything else? No, I haven't lied that in since we're online. <laughs> That'd be true sicko mode right there to go oh. live at this game and be like, you guys got anything, else before, you got anything else before we wrap it up, boys? No, man. Shout out or plug? No, let's, uh, I think we're going to try to do our draft show next week. Um, try to get some other, we're going to try to bring some people on to do it with us, have a little bit of fun. And if we were GMs, what we'd do. So, but no, enjoy the week. Try to find those winners out there, people. All right, come check out our free podcast. It's the guys from at Notebook Wagering on Twitter. We have uh, at Notebook Wagering Jcam tonight, at Smitty Bucks, and I myself, and at If You Follow Matt. Thanks for the listen and bang your bookies, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes, and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.